0: All right. <laughs> you all sound so enthused. I, I I give you a pass, Chuck. You're not feeling well. What's what's, what's everyone else's excuse?
1: <laughs> Hardware. Yeah. Software. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Eric's emotion driver is broken. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Harvest. I used Harvest to track time, track subcontractors' time, and invoice clients. Their time tracking is really simple and easy to use. Invoicing includes a pay-now function by credit card and PayPal, and you can sign up at getharvest.com. Use the code RF to get 50% off your first month. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Ruby Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hey. We also have Jeff Schoolcraft. What's up? Uh, Evan Light might be joining us later. He's at a doctor's appointment with his wife. And we also have a special guest, and that's Avdi Grimm. Hello, hello. Um, Avdi, since you're new to this podcast, do you want to introduce yourself briefly? Uh,
0: Sure. I'm Avdi, and I am a person who does things. I'm a freelance software developer. I um, recently made the shift from doing typical freelance uh, you know taking, taking contracts and that sort of thing to more or less pursuing my own projects. Uh, so I, these days I do a split between uh, doing one on one pairing session remote pairing sessions with other programmers and working on my books and uh, screencasts and blogging and stuff like that. Awesome. Um, And I'm also on the Ruby Rogues podcast, and I also have my own podcast at WideTeams.com, all about remote
1: teams and remote work.
2: Yeah, I've listened to almost all of those. The Ruby Rogues, I mean. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, so there's some Ruby Rogues you haven't listened to?
2: No, I've listened to each episode at least twice, but that's because I'm always going through them and stuff and making sure that they're up and well edited and things, but
0: I used to listen to the, the episodes after the fact. I haven't had time any anymore.
2: Yeah, I just put them into my mix and then listen to them as they come up. But yeah. Anyway, so I know that you recently launched, uh, is it a membership site? Is that the right terminology for it where people can get videos? Um,
0: I have not launched. I, uh, it's, it's still kind of in pre-production. I've got, I've got this project that's been on my, my personal back burner for way, way too long now uh, called Ruby Tapas. And uh, the idea is, um, is it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a membership site uh, with screencast, short screencasts on uh, sort of intermediate to advanced uh, Ruby and and object oriented design and stuff like that, um, but very focused on Ruby. Um, and uh, yeah, it's I'm still basically collecting email addresses at this point. Uh, because I've been kind of tied up with having a baby and other stuff, uh, and haven't had a chance to to uh, fully get it off the ground.
2: That makes sense,
0: but it's going to happen.
2: Yeah. So, so I think the the main um, thing that we've seen from you that you know we we could call success as far as putting together products. We're we're going to talk about some educational product stuff today. Um, is the uh, exceptional ruby, and I'm trying to think what your other books are.
0: Objects on Rails.
2: Objects on Rails, right?
0: And then, um, most recently, I'm working on Confident Ruby,
2: right? So, how do you decide that you have something that's book worthy?
0: Um, well, let's see. I mean, it's it has depended on on the book. the The origin of Exceptional Ruby was I. Exceptional Ruby was the was the second talk I ever wrote. Um, and, and, and submitted to conferences. And it was the first, I think it was the first uh, talk that I actually got, got accepted at a major conference. And so I, I had this, you know, after it was accepted, I, I did this big investigation into the, the subject matter, which is error handling in, in, in Ruby. And, um, and I spent a ton of time putting together a lot of information for the talk. And, um, and the, the impetus for for that first book was just, I thought to myself, you know, I've, I've spent, um, all these many, many hours, uh, researching this topic and, you know, it was great to be able to present it at a conference, but wouldn't it be cool if I could kind of recoup that time, uh, to some degree. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I thought, um, what if I turned it into like a self-published ebook and, uh, you know, and sold it. Interesting. That was, so that was that was the impetus there um, and then that worked out so well that uh, I uh, well I was going to proceed straight to confident Ruby but then I got kind of sidetracked by objects on rails just because I I had some ideas about about uh, where I wanted to go with with object oriented oriented design in in uh, rails um, and uh, kind of as an excuse to actually get a chance to write write all that stuff down. I decided I'd, I'd make that into a product as well.
2: Right. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you how much you make, but uh, I am curious as to uh, how much of your overall income it accounts for.
0: Um, I don't have any of my numbers in front of me right now. I believe I calculated that I came close, but didn't quite make my my goal of Uh, last year I think I I did not quite make my goal of 20% of my income on, on products, but I think I came
2: close. Right. And the rest of it was consulting or.
0: Yeah. The rest of it was
2: consulting. (laughs) So making the transition full time is, are you just kind of living on whatever you've saved up in the meantime, while you get things together?
0: Savings. Other freelancers keep telling me about this savings thing. And, and uh, I don't know. I, um, Someday, someday I, I want to have one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like fun. Um, they also talk about things like vacations, too. So, um, no, I, I mean, honestly, um, all of my career progression has, has been kind of like the next thing, doing whatever is the next thing that makes sense and or um, doing, uh, doing whatever I need to do out of desperation, you know, to, to um, make ends meet. And, uh, right now, um, you're starting I to sound am. like me, <laughs> I, I, I will be very honest with anyone that asks me my, my sort of business philosophy is almost entirely based on panic and desperation. Um, <laughs> because I, I'm, you know, I'm the sole provider for a, a pretty big family. And, uh, so I just kind of, I look out there and, and figure out, you know, what to do to, to make ends meet next month um and then and 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 more recently i try harder and harder to to come up with things that will keep ends meeting for for longer periods of time um as far as what i do now i um i so i spend about half my time i guess uh doing doing individual pair programming sessions with people so people come to me and they want to uh sometimes they want tutoring in in ruby or rails or both uh, sometimes they're they're already sort of intermediate programmers, and they just want to kind of kind of work with somebody to level up, or they have a particular problem that they're working on uh, with the project that they're in, and, and that they want to work through uh, various various things. Sometimes they want to do some some refactoring. They want to get some pointers on refactoring, and uh, I just do remote pairing sessions, uh, typically two hour sessions at a time with people uh, working on whatever they want to work on, and uh, so I make. Um, part of my income on that. And, uh, and then I spend the rest of my time, uh, working on, on, uh, writing and stuff like that.
2: All right, cool. I know that, uh, Eric has written some eBooks too. Does any of this process sound familiar to you?
1: Yeah, it's almost exactly. I mean, I don't know if it was for last year, but I was around 20 or 25% of my income for my three eBooks And the first, I guess, three or four months of this year, I took time off, was doing very little client work, and was basically living off savings for a bit, and did that while my daughter was born, and now I'm kind of getting back into things. So, it's, I mean, it's almost identical right now. It's pretty funny.
2: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, one person that um, I listen to fairly frequently is Dan Miller, and he has a, a few books out about... Um, finding a job, or you know, going out on your own. Anyway, um, he has a, a boot camp kind of thing for new authors, and what he always says is that writing the book is is ten percent of the work, and that marketing is the other ninety percent. Does does that ring true to you guys? Yeah. No.
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say about everything, though, right? I mean, a software product is ten percent software and ninety percent marketing, or some very skewed proportion thereof. I mean, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, the, it's Dan Miller at 48 days.com. That's, that's the right guy. But so, so uh, how much time do you spend marketing it then? Avdi?
0: Um, I guess I spend some time marketing. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I dislike the whole, that, that whole area of business. And so I try to find cl- uh, Clever means of avoiding it every chance I can, Um, and
2: uh, that just sounds like you're finding alternative ways of marketing.
0: Well, yeah, I mean it's one of those things that you can look at it any way you want. Um, You know, I like for me a lot of my sales. I I suspect um, I I don't. I have tracking. I don't pay a ton of attention to it, um, but I think a lot of my sales come from from like people going through for my blog. So, you know, I make sure that, that I have ads for my books up on my blog and, and, uh, and then I try to do one of the things that I love, which is, is just disseminating information to people, uh, from my blog. And I've been doing that for years and, um, you know, and, and I try, I don't really think too hard about, wow, this is going to be a great marketing post. Um, you know, occasionally I'll just, you know, flat out put something up there and say, Hey, I'm doing this thing and it costs money, please buy it. But, but, uh, But for the most part, you know, I I think a lot of my marketing is, um, doing stuff that I would do anyway, like blogging, um, you know, or presenting at conferences or, uh, you know, I think I suspect a lot of, a lot of stuff comes from Twitter and, 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 uh, that's just me kind of being social, uh, and, you know, trying to be part of the programmer community, which again is not something that I think about really from a marketing perspective, but it, I guess it has that effect, um, you know, what I did for like the Objects, I, the objects on Rails book was kind of an, an experiment where uh, I just put the whole book online for free. Uh, it wasn't a total experiment. I've seen people do this before. And I just made the, uh, the download version, you know, the EPUB and PDF and Mobi and all that version available for a really low price um, so that, you know, people could, if they were enjoying it online, you know, the buy link's right there. And, and, uh, um, and they get a nicer, you know, nice nicely formatted version that they can take with them uh, for five bucks. So, you know, that's that's sort of my my version of of marketing, which is, you know, I don't have to think about it too much. Hopefully people just, you know, trickle in over time.
3: Did that duo? Well? What's that? Did that duo? Well? I remember who wrote um oh, what was it? Rails test prescription or something like that. What? was
2: it the Ra- it on Rails it? tutorial by Michael Hartle? No, put that the was one, online?
3: there was one even before that. It was like the entire book on test. I want to say test prescription. I'll have to look it up. But I, then I'm not the,
2: sure if Noel did that. I, I think it was probably. The Prags
3: picked it up.
0: Yeah, yeah the Prags sell, sell his book. I don't know. I don't know if he was, if he put it on, had it online at one
2: point.
1: I, I he think, self-published it, but I don't know if it was free online or if it was just a, like what you're doing, like where it's a completely different thing.
2: Yeah. I think it's funny that you uh you said, Well, I don't really do marketing and then you explained all the things that you like to do that happen to be marketing.
0: Right, but what I guess what I'm explaining is that that uh I don't really I don't spend ninety percent of my time um, you know, related relating to something on marketing schemes. You know, right. I I just um I do what I do, and I do what I, I. I'm a huge fan of killing multiple birds with one stone. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. I do what I do, and I try to think of ways to sort of hook the things that I do together in in a way that avoids work. So you know, um, if I, you know, so I do, you know, try to do things like to take all the research that I put into a talk and turn that into a book, or alternately, you know, take all the research that I did for a book, turn that into a talk, um, you know. I try to hook things together like that, but
2: um, right, that makes sense. I
0: I try to minimize the effort that I put into into marketing. Um, You know, I mean, I I do little things like like send uh, uh, discount codes to conferences and stuff like that. But uh, but that doesn't, you know, that takes that takes just a few minutes worth of emailing back and forth. So it's it doesn't take too much out of my day.
2: Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm a little curious to see how that contrasts or compares with uh, what Eric does to market his books
1: um kind of the same i mean a lot of the things he's talked about it's that's what i would call marketing i mean i think it kind of comes to the intention like what do you do what do you intend to do with this i mean i do a lot of blog posts and for a while there i was running like a free newsletter and you know i was talking about a topic and if they wanted to buy a book that had more stuff about the topic it was for sale it was just kind of like i think it was like one one link at the bottom or something you know very low key um But for me, I kind of put more intent into it and like, okay, I need to market these books because I need to to sell them or I think some people are going to get some value from it or, you know, whatever I'm trying to do. And I'll think of ways to do that. And, you know, I end up giving a lot of stuff away, like in blog posts or screencasts and stuff. And sometimes there's like, you know, an explicit like, you know, hey, here's a book that has more information. And sometimes it's not. It's just a, hey, Eric's putting out more stuff. By the way, did you know Eric has other things too? Mm-hmm. so I mean and it's it's a mix I mean it's hard to really be no marketing at all or you know you're marketing everything because then it's like people either get turned off because all you're trying to do is sell to them or you're just not marketing at all and no one even knows you have stuff for sale so you have to at the very least kind of mention stuff and kind of kind of link things and say like hey look on my sidebar I have stuff for sale
2: yeah that makes sense so um, Jeff was ca- trying to kind of a- ask a question about how well the putting the book online and then selling the download versions worked for you. Um, well, I could I could look up some numbers. Let's see.
3: I'm just if uh, you had um, a sense of, you said it was an uh, exe- experiment or a quasi-experiment. So I can, first, I consider many- it I consider it
0: extremely successful so far.
2: H- how um, did how did it do compared to um, Exceptional exe- Ruby? Let
0: me check. I'm actually waiting to, for something to log in here.
3: And then um, successful, profitably, or successful in
0: other ways? Oh yeah, profitably. I mean, you know, if I look at it from the from the perspective of how much time I put into it, uh, you know, and then take my typical hourly and and, uh, and then look at the the, pro- the amount of money I made from it, I would consider it profitable. Yeah. Um, as I, uh, give me a minute.
3: And, um, I can. Yeah, well, that's loading. With some numbers, I, <clears throat> but so you sort of chuckled when Chuck said ninety ten sounded like. And I was curious about this in the beginning. I mean, you, you said you did a bunch of research for uh, your talk before you wrote Exceptional Ruby. Uh, i was just concern, c- curious, how long uh, how long it took you to get to a shippable book? Your first couple, version of a couple, couple weeks, a week or two. I I, I write fast.
2: So one uh, one other thing that I want to ask, and, and this is coming down to something else that I mean, you talked about killing two birds with one stone," and I did a whole bunch of research for my building JSON API's um, uh, webinar, which is, I guess, kind of an educational product. but I would really like to do an ebook on it. Um, mm-hmm. so so what suggestions do you have for for somebody who's maybe done a good chunk of the research, has written a bunch of code around it? And needs to just sit down and outline and write the book. So what's your what's your um, process from getting from gee I've done all this research to having a finished product?
0: Well, I mean, I I usually start. I ha- I think I had some notes jotted down that I'd been jotting down for a while for the exceptional Ruby book, just like some topics that I was thinking about covering in a talk someday. And I don't know. I mean, I I I basically. The tool that I use for writing it also happens to be an outliner. So, um, so I usually, I mean, I start out with an outline of of topics that I'm interested in covering, and uh, you know, and then I, I kind of, I guess I just kind of dig into each one in turn, and and uh, and do the research and and uh, start coming up with some code code samples, and and um, over time, I, I realize that you know my my original organization of of the outline is complete complete crap and, and I slowly reorganize things. (laughs) Uh, the first, the first two books that I did, I, um, once I had a very rough draft, I mean, messy mistakes everywhere, um, crappy organization, uh, lousy formatting, the works. Um, but, but sort of kind of content complete, I started selling it, uh, as like a, you know, preview edition. And I, uh, um, and that gave me, that kind of gave me the boost, um, well, both monetarily and just in, you know, in, in, real, in seeing that there was interest to continue forward and polish them up uh, into a, a final release version. Uh, so I'm a huge fan of, like, the, the worst is better, getting something out there early um, model And, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's amazing the work that people will do for you. If you have, if you have good content, you know, if you have something that people are interested in reading, I mean, they will proofread for you. They will, uh, they'll find your mistakes in your code listings for you. Uh, they'll give you all kinds of suggestions about your, about wording. And, uh, you know, I, one of the best, um, decisions I think I made with the second one, I mean, the first one, I accepted lots of lots of feedback. You know, I got a lot of fe- early feedback. With Objects on Rails, I actually started a mailing list, and all these terrific conversations started up on the mailing list. And, and number one, I got even more feedback. Number two, I would actually have, uh, you know, people would come in with a question about the book, and then somebody else would answer it before I could, uh, which saved me time. And uh, so getting that user community around anything you do, you know, whatever it takes, uh, I think is is just a great idea and then mm-hmm. with with uh, confident ruby I decided to start even earlier and I just said um, I'm gonna just start shipping it before it exists I'm gonna ex- ship it when the only thing that's written is the introduction and um, and you know I, I have a, a basically a dual pricing model I've got a I've 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 got you can buy it or you can send me a postcard one or the other and uh the you know the the interest and the the and the money that I've gotten from that has kept me going um, since then.
2: Nice. So, oh, did somebody else have a question? It sounded like someone else was gearing up to talk. No. So so I guess the next question is is so you bring people in, you get them involved pretty early. Um, how far are you into Confident Ruby at this book at this point?
0: Um, I think I'm about a quarter of the way through.
2: And you've got people who've already paid for it, right?
0: Quite a few, yes.
2: Right, and and what's the price point on that? What are you selling it for?
0: That's twenty five dollars.
2: Okay, and uh, I, I can
0: give you sales. I've got the page up. I can give you sales numbers on some of these if you're curious. I'm not. I'm not too shy about it.
2: Okay, I don't want um, to push you to give out any more information than you want to, but
0: no. Nah, I mean, you know, a lot of people are putting a lot of um, self publishers are putting their their numbers out there, and I don't see why why I shouldn't either. Uh, so for a book that, um. For a book that is about a quarter of the way done at this point, um, it looks like I've got 790 sales, so that's close to $14,000. Wow. Um, uh, somebody was asking about Objects on Rails. Uh, so the $5 edition, um, which again, you, know, you can also read it online for free. Uh, I've had... Uh, a bit over three thousand purchases, so close to seventeen thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars, which is not as much as I've made so far in Exceptional Ruby, but Exceptional Ruby has been out a lot longer. So, yeah, and Exceptional got listed in the Prague Store, right? It, exactly, yeah, and so I got I got uh, a, a nice chunk of royalties from them as well,
2: right? And and how does the, how does it seem to compare between the two as far as self publishing versus going with someone like the Prags to sell your book?
0: Um, well, the wonderful thing is, I get to, with exceptional Ruby. I get to do both. Um, right. they, I was I was their their pilot for that. I I which was just an amazing piece of uh, of serendipity. Um, uh, Dave Thomas was at Magic Ruby, which is the the first conference that I gave that talk at, and um, and kind of as an I was sending it out. I was sending the draft out to various people, and. Um, the draft of the of the ebook and I I kind of as as an afterthought I never thought he'd get back to me but I I sent it to to Dave and he actually gave me a ton of feedback and then they decided they wanted to to try this pilot thing with with self-published authors and um it's been good I mean you know having both both of those is great I um I, I will say I have I have made um I think the if if I look at the both numbers I think I've made more money off of my own personal sales right um uh, but you know
2: but it gives you another channel and but another area. It's of exposure. not like it's
0: an either. Yeah, exactly. It's not like an either or, and it's not like it's. And I've, you know, it's it's been a a, a fair chunk of change from the the Prague sales. So you know, <laughs> and if somebody is able to get that, you know, to get that deal, you know, get a book that that a publisher will take up and and sell on, um, you know, distribute uh, through their channels. Because you know, I mean, I think I think I probably I have decent channels. You know. Um, uh, you know, I have decent channels going out to like the 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 active Ruby community.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you know, so I can usually get my message out to the active Ruby community, but but uh, I'm sure there are, you know there are people that the Prags can reach with their their marketing that uh, you know that aren't watching my Twitter or or you know reading Ruby inside or whatever.
1: Well, and it's also like if you're on the Prag store and buying Agile Web Development rails, it's like, you might also like this. And so you kind of get that like, Oh, this looks similar. I'll get this at the same time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I think it's wonderful that they're doing that.
2: Yeah. I've been very,
0: very happy to see some of my friends, um, start to, to sell books
2: that way as well. I was going to say, have they picked up any other independent authors? Yes,
0: they have. So, um, uh, one of the, I think maybe the next person was, was my friend Chris Strom, uh, who has the, um, he has the speedy, I think the the first one with them was the speedy book. And, um, and then he's also got, um, uh, uh, he's got a new one out, which I'm suddenly blanking on. Uh, but Who? yeah, he, he, what's that?
3: Who was working on uh, the book, working with Linux processes or something. I thought I saw that on the, oh, that yeah, that was Jesse Stormer,
0: Jesse Stormer. He, he did it. Um, i f- i I know there's been there have been several others
3: i don't, I don't want to get too into the details but the so do they do are they just offering the book as you presented it or yep. do they do so they don't do any editing any formatting nope. anything else it's nope. just, they
0: have a little disclaimer if you go to the site they have a little it's not even a disclaimer they just say um you know this we sell this book exactly as provided by provided by the author and we're you know we're just proud to feature it
2: so you so you don't go through any of their processes, including the process of converting from your original format to PDF, MOBI, EPUB, or whatever.
0: No, I mean I just I just ship them the the files. Actually, there was one thing that I did at one point. I um, I was looking at uh, a, a very few people had asked me for a print copy of Exceptional Ruby, and uh, I was looking at options, and I, I dropped them an email about it, and and they said actually we can do we can do short print runs. Um and uh, I think I sent them a, a slightly modified version that fit their format for that, but that was the only right. that was the only
3: difference i was I was curious because Brian hogan has been a he i don't know he flirts with the topic of self publishing on Twitter every once in a while, but he always seems back squarely in the i 'm happy to be in the prags camp with editors and people to deal with formatting and all that other stuff so I was just curious if they had done any of that stuff but No, no. And it's,
0: yeah, I mean, I can see, I can, I guess I can see for some books, like I've, I've actually considered uh, pursuing a publisher and I I may still at some point, but it really, I think it depends on the subject matter. I mean, some subject matter is so fast moving that it hardly makes sense. you know, you're, it hardly makes sense to, um, to to wait up for the whole publishing process, you know?
3: Yeah. I don't know all the details, but it seems like like the RSpec book is sort of a classic example. I mean, I, there were like, I don't know, 50 beta editions or something before it actually got Yeah. And then from,
0: from a business perspective, I cannot tell you how many auth- authors that I've talked to that have told me that, um, you know, that when they did the numbers, their work on their book basically earned the minimum wage or less, mm-hmm. you know, for their time.
2: Yeah, I've and, heard that too. And it you know, depends and was, on the publisher, doesn't it?
0: Uh, well, to some degree, yeah, yeah. But I mean, um, that was just, that was a big part of my consideration. Is that you know, I I can't afford to do that,
3: you know. Peter Cooper sure talked about that too. I think, especially with his first book with A-Press. I'm pretty sure he had sort of a big rundown with all the numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, and that's fairly common to hear. Huh? It seems, especially in the tech industry. I don't know about fiction in
1: general, but yeah, yeah. I mean, what I've heard is. Most like a normal mainstream tech book might get ten thousand, you know, between the upfront and then any royalties. But it's like an eighteen to twenty-four month process, and you know, it's almost a part-time job that entire time. So there's some hits like Peter Cooper's book actually did really, really well, and then there's others that like might sell twelve copies. Yeah, yeah. And
0: I'd love to. I'd love to come back and revisit some of my books someday when I have you know more more time. Uh, hopefully more time and money on my hands and, you know, do nicely, you know, really well indexed and, and proofread and, and formatted versions. But, um, but I think so far the, the worse is better approach has, has done well by me. Yeah. Cause I, I can't look at any of them and say, nope, that wasn't profitable.
2: So, so what's your, uh, what's your process from start to finish on, on putting a book together?
0: Um, well, like I said, I start, you know, I usually have a an outline, uh, which evolves over time. And, uh, you know, there's a fair amount of just wandering around my process with anything is, involves a a great deal of wandering around my, my basement or my backyard thinking, uh, just brainstorming and and figuring out what I want to say and stuff like that. And, um, so you have little
2: deer trails out there.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, I come up with stuff that, you know, with topics that I want to cover, I, I, you know, write through the, I write content, I write some code, write some content, write some code. I, I don't know how detailed to get about that, but I, I do all this in in org mode in Emacs, which uh, is sort of like a, a an outliner slash personal organizer slash publishing system on crack, and... um uh, i kind of slowly flesh it out there. The nice thing about it is that you can start with an outline, flesh it out, publish it to html or pdf, um and then kind and move kind of move forward from there. And um and then, you know, i i like i said i i get it out to people as early as i can. And usually with just like a blog announcement. Um, uh at some point, you know, as i as i near the finish, um you know, with incorporating feedback from people and everything i at some point in there i usually put a start the work on the co- getting the cover done so i, I usually put a bid up on 99 designs for the cover and um although for this latest one i actually went and found the uh the person the, the winning the person who did the winning design for exceptional ruby and i actually went and found tracked them down and and uh and went to, went to them directly to get the cover for for confident ruby uh but uh i try to you know get the cover nailed down and, and, um, figure out what I'm going to do for a website for it. And, uh, eventually one day I, you know, after I address most of the, uh, outstanding bug reports, I pronounce it done and put up a, a, uh, an announcement. I don't know. What else, what else do you want
2: to know? So, so you start selling the book before, well, It almost sounds like with this last one, you started selling it before you even had written hardly any of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And that was just, you know, gauge interest. And, uh, you know, I felt like I don't think I could have done that, like with my first book, because that would have been asking way too much of people. Um, I felt like with a third with the third book, I could you know, I had proven myself, I had proven that I can finish a book and, you know, and that it'll be something that people want to read. So I felt like, like I had maybe earned enough cred to, uh, to do that. Plus it was built on, on a talk that I did called Confident Code, which, um, which had a lot of really great responses and the the videos are all out there. So people could take a look at that and and see that it was material that they would be interested in. And, uh, and I I think a lot of it, the, the early sales were based on that.
2: Right. That makes sense.
0: Huh. but yeah I don't have savings so I can't you know I can't be like well I'm gonna just live on savings for a month and write a book Uh, so you know a lot of this stuff just stems from you know I want to do this thing I think this thing would be awesome how can I do this thing without going
2: broke right that makes sense yeah I'm I'm, it's funny because this whole talk and everything else has really got me thinking about you know the possibility of writing a book and it's, it's never something that I even thought I could do, but the more I think about it, the more it's like, well, you know, if, if I can sit down and write a blog, then I can sit down and, you know, at least crank out a few paragraphs or something every day. Yeah. And where I've already got a lot of it outlined for the webinar, I should be able to, you know, I, I should be able to, to, to grind it out. And, Absolutely. I mean, and, and if you can speak, it, you can write. I've heard that before. Um, it, it, I don't know how true that is because <laughs> I have, I've done the one, not the other. I do a lot of speaking.
1: Well, I mean, you can always speak and then, you know, you can transcribe it or have, pay to have someone transcribe it for you. And then you can go through and edit it. I mean, I've right. did that with like an interview kind of thing. And I think it was less than an hour interview and it ended up being like 40 or 50 pages typed up, you know, and that's with like no chapters. or anything. that's just like, I said, she said, I said, she said, so it's like, as far as just getting the content created, I mean, you could probably just speak and do that and then come back through. And if it's a code book, you know, write code to support it and even skip to the later process where you start organizing stuff and see what parts are missing and see if you need to add or remove sections too. Right, that makes sense too. Yep. I mean, it's, it's kind of like what I say. like, you know, if you're going to be making something... Like content-wise, like figure out what mode works best for you. Is it like audio, is it video, is it text, you know? And then if you can translate into other ones if you wanna sell a different thing. I think that's that's very true. And, and as, as far as writing goes, um,
0: the wonderful thing about self-publishing is that you can set your own tone
2: mm-hmm. and that's
0: okay. You know, um, you know if, if you're comfortable speaking and you just transcribe effectively what you would say if you were explaining it to someone, That can be, you know, it might be, might not be okay for a lot of publishers, but that can be fine for your audience. Um, And, you know, it's one of the wonderful things about it is that you can have a more conversational tone and, and nobody minds. Um, But yeah, it's, I I think you're absolutely right. There, there, you can, you can pick your, whatever medium works, works best for you.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So let's change tactics a little bit. We've talked a lot about eBooks. What about screencasts? Because it seems like it's something that all of us have done. Um, is there a difference between screencasts that you just put out there for free and screencasts that you put out so people will pay you for them?
1: The payment processing part? <laughs> the getting money
2: part?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I think quality is going to be one. Like, If you're just throwing something out there, you don't have to worry about the editing as much. But if you're actually charging for it, I mean, especially with Peepcode, because Peepcode came on early on and really, really high-quality stuff. So especially in the Ruby market, people come to expect high-quality screencasts if they're going to pay for it. Right. So that's, I think that's a big part. And then, I mean, it also depends on what you're doing. Like, you know, if if your screencast can deliver value and it teaches someone what they want to learn, you know, your quality could be lower.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, yeah. I mean, I see different people putting out like different paid things. Um, you know, you've got Destroy All Software, and you've got the Rails Cast Pro, and a lot of these other ones. And it seems like the quality is more or less the same as what they put out for free. But it's still—I mm-hmm. mean, the quality's good, so I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying.
3: I don't think I'm trying to think if Gary ever did anything free no. of significance. No, I, I mean, he had a couple. He had a couple of on Vimeo and something else like that. But, I mean, I think he started from the beginning being paid. But Ryan Bates, I mean, he's got, what, nearly 400 screencasts or something. I mean, three years of doing it free. So, I mean, the quality is just naturally going
1: to get better for him. When he also has a lot of the trust. Like, people know he's going to put out good stuff.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. That is true.
0: Yeah. And there's, but there's, you know, there's differences between, big differences between the formats there. Um, Like you can look at, you can look at one of Ryan's, uh, or look at, you know, look at the the peep code screencast and think, wow, that's that's a level of editing that I can't even aspire to. Um, So to hell with it, I'm not going to do. Sorry, it's probably a family rated rated podcast. Completely out. Um, Uh, Well, Evan's not on, so probably. (laughs) Uh, You know, but you know, so to heck with it, I can do. Uh I can't do the do screencasts and sell them. But then, you know, you I mean, you've got Gary Bernhardt and his stuff is very high quality, but it's also very lo-fi in a sense, where he doesn't have intros or animations or anything. You know, nope. I mean if he has bullet points that he wants to put up on the screen, he types them in, in Vim. So um you know, there's I think there's a wide array of of levels of production you can do and you know and they they all work for you know
2: for their own audiences, right? Makes sense.
3: I just think part of it just uh, part of it shows that just there's a huge demand for content, uh, and certainly video content. People are people are eating up. I mean, I don't know, I don't remember if Garrett released his numbers, but I mean, he talked about it loosely a little while ago. But I mean, he's pretty much full time on destroy all software, and I've got to imagine Ryan is. Beyond full time with the RailsCast Pro stuff, maybe that's yeah. I've talked to both of them, and I'm I'm
2: pretty sure that both of them are making enough to completely live on every month from yeah. their video series. So yeah,
0: yeah. And what's interesting from the marketing perspective? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what all Gary has done. The only that marketing that I've seen from him is I know there were some some like free month coupons that were going around at conferences
2: yeah Uh, i i I interviewed him sorry go ahead ahead. well i interviewed him uh almost right when he started destroy all software and you know i know that that went out to a few hundred people Mm -hmm. but uh yeah i don't i'm not sure exactly what all the different uh marketing areas
3: are that he used i think it's just speaking at conferences i mean he does I don't know. He has a love-hate relationship with Twitter. It seems like, but uh, (laughs) it's the conferences. I think were the big thing. I don't know how How much the whole word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, word of mouth. But I mean, my impression
0: was was that there were just a a lot of people. You know, once once he sort of broke onto the scene, there were a lot of people saying you've got to check these out. Um, And I think that's kind of my my. Ultimate, you know, that's that's my acme of of marketing right there. Is I I would love to be in a place where the only marketing that I have is people going, you know, you've got to check this out, yeah, because you know, and that's you know, because I'm putting out material of of such high quality, that's you know, and delivering that much value, that's that's where I want to be.
2: Yep. Yeah, makes sense. So where where do you guys kind of see things going from here with uh, with product development of this kind. I kinda wanna hear everybody weigh in if, if you have something that you're gonna work on or want to be doing.
0: Somebody else talk besides me.
2: <laughs> Why don't we make Eric talk?
1: Um you mean like just for what I'm doing or yeah. like how I'm seeing the like the I guess the industry quote.
2: Uh just what you're doing. Where where you where um, you want to go from here.
1: So I already have my three books out there. I'm putting a lot of time into Cherk, which is you know more SaaS software. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been wanting to go back to I guess I'll, I guess at least two, maybe all three books, and do another edition. I mean, they all all of them except for one did pretty good the first time, and there's either more content or more things I want to change to make it easier and clearer to the readers. But it's one of those like time to put in to do it because it's you know go back through edit kind of relaunch them all, put them out there versus, you know, doing work that's going to be making me money right now. Um, kind of like what I was saying earlier is I'm working off my savings right now. and trying to build up some other, other projects and stuff. So it's kind of like, are these going to be the best return of my time? So that's kind of why I'm focusing on Turk, but I mean, I have, I started a list of like book ideas or tech ideas I wanted to explore and I think I have like a dozen or so different things in there that I've kind of gone through over the years and you know pulled stuff out or said oh someone did a you know like Avi here did a really good one on Ruby exceptions so I'm not gonna need to do that and you know that's still there if I ever find the time and have the desire I can just start going through those notes and actually start building stuff but the thing I really like that a lot of people have done now is there's a lot more self-publishers and so the tools and kind of the, I guess the environment for self-publishing is a lot better now than it was, I guess, two or three years ago. And so if you actually wanted to write a book, it's, it's pretty easy to do and it's not going to be like, you don't have like a scarlet letter on you for being a self-publisher, which is pretty nice.
2: Yep. Yeah. Jeff, do you have any intention of doing something like this?
3: Uh, <clears throat> sure. I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, who knows at this point? Eric and I chat about this. I don't know, it's a common theme in the chat channel for this podcast. It's just maintaining focus on something. And I'm trying with all my might to maintain focus on just two things. And that's right now my long-term contract and trying to push more people to freelance funnel. I mean, I like, I like to do some stuff... Um, a podcast, I've got some of my own ideas for a podcast, and I really enjoy screencasting. I think I enjoy video more than I do audio and way more than I do writing. So, I mean, I have ideas for stuff I want to do, but I'm really trying to focus on a couple things right now and not be so scatterbrained at everything I do.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, where I'm trying to go, first off, I did a webinar last month on building JSON APIs, like I've said, and... I'd really like to get that video together for, um, you know, just so people can, can purchase it. Um, I, I got a lot of good feedback on it. Uh, people seem to really like it, the ones that came. So, you know, I'd like to put it out there so people can can watch it. And uh, the other thing that I'd like to do is, like I said, I've li- I'd like to write an ebook. I'm also tempted to write uh, a book um, that's kind of a Ruby on Rails tutorial. I know Michael Hartle did one. But um, I've read his book and my approach is a little bit different. And I think it might be interesting um, to put something else out there. Um, and the other, the other thing that I'd really like to do is put together um, just kind of a Railscast Pro or Destroy All Software, except it's just short segments on different aspects of Ruby or Rails, um, you know, maybe different uh, series for each one for Ruby and for Rails um, that basically just starts at the beginning, just the basic stuff and works up through uh, the more intermediate and advanced topics and so people can pick up a new episode every week and and watch it and you know basically you know move into that uh, type of development. I'd also like to as I learn iOS development uh, do the same thing there. so as I as I feel like I have a solid foundation for some of the basic topics then I can start doing videos for those.
3: yeah this so- the subscription model is definitely the way to go. I mean, the I, Eric mentioned BDDcast in the chat, and I, that was uh, God. I don't know how long ago that was. Two years ago, I think, was the last major effort I put on BDDcast, and I still get a couple sales a month on it, which is nice. I'm not putting any effort into the site, and they, they need to refresh, but one-off sales, peep code. I mean. Peepco did in the beginning, but then they offered the packs and then they had the what do they have? The unlimited yearly subscription or whatever. But subscription is so much nicer than trying to do one off sales for all your screencasts or all whatever you're doing just because people you don't want to make people have to decide which one they want to buy. It's easier if they pay you ten bucks or nine bucks a month or whatever and can watch whatever they want to and not have to decide if they really want to see this one versus something else. I, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely subscription is nice.
1: Yeah. I always do that with Peepcode. Like I'll, I'll buy a five pack to get like four videos and I'm like, oh, what do I use my last one on? And then I just like randomly pick something that I have a slight interest in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I really like that. Um, so Avdi, you're working on um, Confident Ruby. Are there any other projects that you're um, getting in the works
0: yeah, well, I mean, I'm, i like, I'm gonna finish *Confident Ruby*, um, and I'm gonna keep writing um, because it turns out to be something that I, I really enjoy, uh, and and works out well for me. So, so I have a long queue of of things to write, uh, including some collaborations with other people that I'd like to do, and uh, I've got uh, *Ruby Tapas, which I'm gonna be getting getting going any day now, and which is gonna be a, a screencast series, and uh, also got kind of another. Hush, hush! Screencast series in the works, um, uh, and um, other than that, you know, I'm going to keep, you know, business-wise, I'm going to keep doing this pairing thing because uh, it's it's been a really awesome experience getting to work with all different people and see all you know many different people's uh, you know the problems that they're working with and uh, the where they're at with
2: with programming and stuff like that. Right, that makes sense. All right. Well, um, I I really only have one other question, and that is um, for the subscription things. Are are you guys building your own sites, or are you using a service out there to to put the videos out, or how how do you manage that, or how are you looking at managing that?
3: Um, I have no idea at this point. BDDcast was a custom site, which is a pain in the ass. I mean, I I would not. If I could find a way to sell without having to build a custom site to do it again and all I wanted to do was publish content, then I would I I'm sure there's a Stripe plugin for WordPress and something else that makes it trivial to do that. I mean I'm I'm so over building sites just to deliver that type of stuff.
2: Right. <laughs> Seriously. Yep. Yeah.
3: And
0: yeah, uh, I'm not
2: Oh go ahead, Audi.
0: I was gonna say I'm not I'm not gonna be building anything if I can avoid it. I mean, that's one of, the, one of the only ways I can get anything done is is by kind of choosing my battles. And I, I wrote a post recently about why I use WordPress, which is, which is that, you know, or, you know, for my blog, for blogs, which is that uh, I, because it's in PHP, which I don't know and have, don't really know and have very little desire to learn, uh, I'm forced to just use, uh, it, you know, WordPress and whatever plugins are available. And uh, it keeps me focused on on the task at hand, which is writing. Instead of you know fiddling around with my technology, and the same goes for selling stuff. I've been actually this was going to be one of my picks, but uh, but I've been very very happy with DPD, uh, which is getdpd.com, for for selling stuff, and um, and I I know that they they have a um, they have a subscription um, product. That's gonna be out uh, any day now, and uh, I'm probably gonna be like the first to hop on board if I can be. So, so I'll probably just coordinate my uh, my stuff with
3: that. I okay. think. Um, oh, what the hell's his name? Subdigital on Twitter, Brian. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Ben. I can't. Oh, whatever. Subdigital on Twitter. He does NS screencasts. He. I think he took. The entire RailsCast, the open source site for RailsCast, plus all the handbrake scripts and everything else when he started. And I think he did like six or seven uh, free and then he switched to a subscription model. But I think most of his site and tooling around screencasts is all built off the stuff Ryan Bates, open mm-hmm. source for RailsCast.
2: Huh, that's an interesting idea. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and get into the picks. We've been talking for about an hour here. Um, uh, Eric, do you want to go first?
1: Uh, sure. So I okay. I don't think I've ever actually bought like MP3 music. Like you know, I come from like back when you could download it, and it was all fine and Napster-ish. But since then, I've just been streaming it uh, using Pandora. But I guess a couple of weeks ago, um, I was looking for music to listen to while running, and I actually ended up buying some MP3s. So the I guess I'm gonna call them a band. I don't know if it's a band or a group, but the band is Two Steps from Hell. Um they basically, it's like an instrumental kind of orchestra music, but if you've ever seen like movie trailers or you know if there's like an action or fight scene how there's like background music going on, that's kind of like what this music is. So it's there's no vocals. It's kind of upbeat, and for exercising, it's like a really good thing to have in the background. So I got it off Amazon. Um, what is it? like eight bucks or nine bucks for the whole CD, and they have two of them up there. So that's my pick.
2: All right, cool. Um, <clears throat>
3: Jeff what are your picks uh, first one is if this then that I think we've picked it before maybe but it's worth picking again if I have uh, Eric found um, a paleo cookbook it does the free one of the if this then that recipes is to look at the new kindle free list and it sends you an email and he was going through the email and found a cookbook on paleo stuff, and I've been watching it uh, for a couple of weeks since then. And it's interesting, a lot of trashy romance that you have to delete, but every once in a while there's a decent pick, and uh, I use it for a ton of other stuff. So that's my first pick. Uh, my second pick, I'm sort of uh, in the same boat as Eric as far as music goes. I have, I don't know... 20 gigs of metal from somewhere, but I never listen to it anymore. I'll stream everything off Pandora, and I use Piano Bar, which is a command line client, to listen to it. Uh, but the pick is actually uh, the artist called Epic Soundtracks. That's really the artist name, and it's uh, that channel will give you like the score soundtrack for a bunch of movies and stuff. Really... It's been a replacement for like Euro industrial for me recently. That's my pick. Awesome.
2: All right. Well, I'll go next. Um, My first pick is um, I just got, I just signed a new contract with, with a company that I'm going to be working with. Um, It's actually the contract that uh, David Brady, um, the the company that he's working with. um, I decided to go ahead and pick that up for a few months. And, um, they're they're set up, they're using Tmux and Emacs. And for those of you who yeah, know Emacs. me, um, I generally use Vim for my code editing. So, um, I picked up a book off of, um, Amazon quite a long time ago, actually. And it is learning GNU Emacs and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but, uh, Anyway, I'm probably going to be poring over this book this Saturday and, uh, um, I, I have used Emacs. I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with it, but, uh, hopefully this will get me to the point where I can kind of be an Emacs pro and, um, so
3: good that luck. P- I've been trying for about a decade. <laughs> <laughs> Eric and Avdi will probably have better uh, resources than I do, but, uh. I troll YouTube like every week or so to look for new Vim videos, and I every once in a while I get a hair to look at Emacs stuff. But so there's uh, a guy that was doing Emacs golf videos sort of to challenge the Vim golf guys, and then their Emacs rocks look like it started a couple years ago, then died out shortly after, and now it's re emerging. So, a couple current ish screencast ideas if you're interested. Okay, that's good to know.
1: What I would recommend, uh, get the O'Reilly Pocket Guide for Emacs. It's like nine bucks, really, really small. I actually have two copies. I left one at work and then would have one at home. Uh, That's going to save you a bunch of time. And then I'll put a link in the show notes. I actually have a one-page printout of like common things to do in Emacs, and I have it laminated, and I've had this close to my desk for years. Uh, It has a copyright of 2002, just to give you a kind of date-wise.
2: Right, okay. Well, I'll check all those things out because uh, I'm gonna have to learn all the stuff that I've forgotten about Emacs. Um, but yeah. The, yeah, so anyway, that's that's all I really have at this point. So uh, Avdi, what are your picks?
0: Well, let's see. Um, I, was, I was I knew this was the the free Ruby Freelancers podcast, so I was thinking about well, what are like freelancy businessy things that I can pick? Um, and uh, I think the the highest praise I can give to any device in my uh, in in my menagerie of devices is that I have stopped thinking about it. Um, and I realized today that, that my printer has found its way into that category. Um, for most of, of my career, my, the, the, whatever printer I had was the bane of my existence. And, you know, I always cringed when I would have to print something out or, or when somebody in the family would have to print something out. And, and, uh, several a, a while back i forget how long it was but a while back i realized i needed to replace yet another hp printer and i asked around for some advice and first of all i decided i was going to get a laser this time and and secondly I, a lot of people suggested that i go with brother instead of hp and i got myself an mfc7860dw from brother and it uh it's one of these like small office jobs that uh, it's, it's pretty big. Well, for a, for a small printer, I guess it's pretty big, you know, but it does scanning and it does laser printing and, and it'll, I think it'll print two-sided and, and uh, um, it'll even, I can even, I've even taught it to, to like email me pictures that I scan. So I can like stick a, a piece of paper on there and tell it to scan straight into my email account or into, into you know, email it to Picasso or something like that. And it just works. It's like the first printer I've had that doesn't complain about mysterious printer maladies every, every other day. Um, so that's a pick. And, um, there's this book, I haven't finished it, but there's this book that I've been slowly reading called good strategy, bad strategy. And for all I know, it's already been picked on this show, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a business book. Uh, I guess it's by this guy that strat, that, uh, consults on on business strategy mainly and it's basically about it's basically about how most of the strategy out there isn't because most of the strategy out there is more like hand wavy aspirations like you know we want to be the best ever at everything and and he kind of gets uh kind of nails down what real strategy is and uh, it's been a good read so far so those are my two picks
2: Awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and wrap the show up. Uh, thanks for coming Avdi. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I want to thank our other co hosts as well. Thanks for, thanks for coming guys. Um, yeah. let's go ahead. Like I said, we'll wrap this show up. I, I'm a little sick. That's why I'm repeating myself. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get this up as soon as we can and, uh, we'll catch everybody next week. See ya.
1: Have a good Catch one. Later.
2: Yeah. Bye. All right.
1: Chuck, should we wrap the show up? Yeah. Uh, thanks.